Hallelujah. Well, God is good. So, you know, I didn't pick up in my prayer. Yeah, I, I, you know, it was a struggle this week because I wanted to teach on one thing. And the Lord <laughs> wanted me to teach on what he wanted me to teach. And I was like, well, Lord, I had on all intentions on preaching on faith. <laughs> but he had other intentions. And I'm like, well, Lord, I said, you know, I had planned this out. Right. But I planned it out. Right? <laughs> you know, what? I guess in a sense, this would be a faith message. But we're going to walk through a particular book. Um. And I'll get there in a minute. <laughs> uh, actually, I'll give you a chance to find it. It'll be Jude. Because I, I know some of us probably don't know where Jude is, but it's right before Revelation. Because <laughs> it's, it's a small book and it's not a, and not a book that we, uh, we read. or we, we probably read it and just kind of read through it because some things may be a little bit difficult to understand. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll get into that as, as we go through this. But, you know... The one of the things that I guess the future things that, you know, we're called to, I can't speak for every other church, but for, for this church here, this ministry is, uh, you know, first and foremost, you know, we just speak on Jesus. Right. Because without Jesus, none of this is possible. <laughs> right. Cause in, in, in the Bible tells us that no man can come to the father except through the son, Jesus Christ. Right. So, you know, we can't be a ministry without talking about Jesus Christ first. Right. And he says, what if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And, and that is primarily who we supposed to uh, speak on. You know, all the things in the New Testament points to Jesus. All the things in the Old Testament points to Jesus coming. Right. So how can we be a church or be believers without teaching and lifting up Christ? Amen. Another thing that we are we we. we you know, we're to talk about is uh, holiness, right? You know, one of the things, again, that this ministry is focused on is holiness, right? So Jesus and holiness. Why? Because the Bible tells us without holiness, no man will see the Lord, right? And, and there's a lot of things in the Bible that revert back to holiness and the fruit of the spirit is, you know, it's the character of Christ, but it's holiness, right? And, and the other thing that we're, we're called to teach on is sound doctrine. Right. Because and Paul talks about that, that we you know we're to teach sound doctrine. Right. And then the other thing is faith. Right. And not just faith to get things, but faith to believe God for who he is. Right. Because the scriptures tell us that in the Hebrews that, you know, he's a reward of those who diligently seek him. Right. So we don't always have to ask for things. And I don't know if you remember. Hopefully you all remember and did it. You know, a couple of Wednesdays ago, I said, you know, let's take time out for when we come home from work to take five minutes to worship the Lord. Just praise and worship without asking him for anything. Right. And um, I did it. Right. And I'm not going to ask who did it. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's it's refreshing. And I, and I actually got to share that this actually yesterday. Matter of fact, with a, a group of men. And, you know, we were, the question was asked. If the word, how can, how can I say this? I can't remember verbatim, but if the word brings me comfort when I read it, right? And, um, you know, my initial answer was yes and no, right? Um, because sometimes it does, right? But then I reflected on it today. I said, well, you know what? Usually for me, I said, I can't speak for everybody, but for me, it does because it takes my mind off of the situation. Right. Even if it's not even a scripture dealing with what I'm going through, you know, whether it's, the, uh, you know, Moses or Israel coming out of Egypt, it takes my mind because now I, I'm going through. I don't think I said this before, but I'm going through the Bible this year. You know, I'm final, following like a Bible plan and. Uh, and I'm actually just enjoying it, just going through, you know, in addition to my normal studies, but. The truth of the matter is one thing I share with them is what I share with y'all, how we should come and we should worship the Lord. You know, take five minutes out of our day, at least five minutes to just just worship him and just not ask him for anything. Right. Because we all go through things and we all have trials and tribulations. 
right? But the more we worship him, then we take our eyes off the situation and the problem or the person that may be irritating us, right? So that's the other thing. Did I say worship was the other thing? So, yeah, so worship and faith. Um, so, you know, if y'all remember, we were talking about and, and when we went and we doing the teaching on the letters to um, in Revelation, you know, there was two contrasting churches, one in Ephesus where the Lord applauded them for testing those who said they were apostles and were not. Right. And he, he, he gave them kudos, gave them praise for doing that. But he said, you know, the one thing I have against you is. You lost your first love. What is that first love? To love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. Right? And, and we can be in danger of that because we're to defend the gospel and make sure we have sound doctrine. But if we lose our first love, then guess what? Now it can be, we can defend it out of our flesh. And there's so much of that going on and we have to be careful of that. And in comparison to Ephesus, now you have Thyatira, which is at the uh, last church spoken about in uh, Revelation chapter 2, and how they allowed false doctrine to come in, right? And, you know, you, you had to wonder how that happened, right? And, and I, you know, and y'all know I, I did the teaching on uh, false teachers, false prophets, and I had no intention on going this, but really the book of Jude, that's what it deals with, right? So, I can't be naive to think that why would the Lord have me go this? Because there's got to be one of us in here, if not a few of us, that are still dealing with it. Because what we can do is we cannot test things, right? We can get in danger to say, hey, it's okay for me to listen to this, but I'll just spit out the bones, right? I'm not going to eat that because I know that goes against the scripture. But that's dangerous, right? Because we're going to see in Jude here, we're going to just go through the first few verses for this week. But we're going to see that, you know, what the thing with the enemy, he's just not going to just show up and say, hey, I'm here. <laughs> he's just not going to, because if he did, guess what? We'll be aware of him, right? And then we're going to definitely go the other way. But he's, he, he's full of deception, right? And then sometimes, a lot of times, it's not even the enemy. Right. It, it's human nature that does things. And we blame the devil and we look at people and say, hey, the devil. Now, a lot of times it's, it's not the devil. Right. And we'll see that in the end when Jesus returns, we're going to see the, the devil. You know, he's not to blame for a lot of stuff that goes on because it's just human nature, the sin nature in man. Right. So. So what about Jude? Jude. Well, you know. It is really the only book in the New Testament that deals with total um, apostasy, right? And it is actually a controversial book in the sense that, you know, when they were coming up with the canon of the Bible, Jude was one of the books where they kind of had trouble because Jude actually makes 13 references from Second Peter, right? So, you know, people will say, well, who copied who first, but we know at this time that Peter was actually dead by this time. <laughs> but, you know, and I'm talking because I'm just giving you the background. So who was Jude writing to? Right? He's writing to, you know, there's differences between is he writing to a Gentile church or a Jewish church full of believers. Right. But he's as you read through the book of Jude, he's actually writing to Jewish Christians. Right. Because he makes different references to Old Testament writings and Jewish writings that are not even canonized. Well, what I mean by that, by the book of Enoch, he quotes from there and he quotes from the book of Moses. Right. Those are two books that we don't consider canonized. Those are books that we would consider to be uh, pseudepigrapha or another word is like apocrypha. Right. So those who came from the Catholic background are familiar with that. Right. So for those that don't know, those are books that are not. They don't consider it to be God inspired. Right. But it doesn't mean that there are not some truth things in there. So when you read the Maccabees, it tells of the historical things that were going on back then. And some of those things are true. And the reason why a lot of people have trouble with those books is because there's a lot of mysticism in them. 
right? But because there's a lot of mysticism doesn't mean everything in there is false. But we would not consider that to be primary sources, right? But the book of Enoch is mentioned in the Bible. Okay. So, as I mentioned that, you know, what do we know about Jew? Jew, <laughs> Jew is actually brother of Christ, right? He, he was a half-brother of Jesus Christ. He was also a missionary. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 9 that he was a missionary. And you know, Jude is actually a testimony to us because guess what? Jude didn't believe in Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us that his brothers in John chapter 7 didn't believe in him. Right? They didn't believe. And, and the thing about it is they witnessed his miracles. And if you read John, the, John chapter 7, verse 1 through 7, uh, actually, let, let's read it. I ain't telling on going there, but we'll read it. So just hold your place in Jude. John chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 1. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers did not believe him. So Jesus says in uh, verse 6, Then Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify of it that its works are evil. All right, so we can go back to Jude. Alright, so we see here that his brothers did not believe that he was the Messiah. They wanted him, basically what they wanted him to do to go to Jerusalem and show himself openly. But guess what? I think Marshall mentioned it. I can't remember when, but she mentioned that how Jesus said he will heal and say, don't tell no one. Right? Go, because he wasn't trying to be seen. Right? So we see actually Jesus' demonstration, humility in Jesus' demonstration. And we're going to see Humility in Jude here in a, in a minute once we get there. So I talked about how he quotes a lot from Second uh, Peter, right? Because so what's significant about Second Peter? Second Peter, just like Paul did, said, hey, false teachers were coming, right? But Jude's letter saying, hey, they're not coming. They're here. So Paul and Peter warned that, hey, false teachers are coming because we read in Acts when he, uh, when the, um, Christians from Ephesus came, Paul warned them, and Peter made warning. But why would they warn of false teachers, right? So let, let's turn to, I'm sorry, let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. So what is the danger of false teachers? Second Peter chapter 2, and we're going to start at verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. So let's stop right there. So when they speak great swelling words, great swelling words actually means words of emptiness, arrogance. It, words of emptiness means devoid of truth. Right? So why would they, they, they allure, they, they bait. Right? So, we've all been fishing. Right? We've been fishing for the most part. How do we catch fish? Bait. Yeah. We bait. Right? So, that's how false teachers are not going to come in and say, again, like, you know, I was giving a demonstration about the devil. Hey, I'm a false teacher. No. They're going to come in. Right? They're going to come in with a spouse. They may come in with their kids. Right? And they're going to conform. And they're going to say, Hallelujah. They're going to say, God bless you. They're going to say blessings. And guess what? They may say Jesus is Lord. All right? Why? Because these are all things that they're going to need to get in. Right? And then as they go along, now all of a sudden they start to go in another direction. And it starts coming away from Christ to more about fleshly things. All right? So understand, when they, it says here, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lunacy, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. In other words, they allure Christians. Right? Those who have escaped. 
Right? So he's not talking about unbelievers here. He's talking about, hey, the false teachers are coming to a Lord to bait Christians. Right? And, and, and this is why I say we can't blame the devil because how do they bait us? Through the lust of the flesh. Through the lust of the flesh. Right? So we're thinking, the de- see, the devil, no matter who it is, devil, humans, they can't bait us no other way but through the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's how he came after Jesus. Yes. Right? right? And that's how he will come after us. So whatever we may be dealing with, that's what they're going to take. So what, what is something that they may come? Money. That's how the prosperity movement was. So give and what? It's going to be given unto you. Right? They're going to make that about money, even though that scripture is not about money. Because it's about love and about other things. Right? Can it be applied to offer? Yes. But it's not just tied to that. Right? These are the things that they're going to bait us on. Right? Because as humans, we got bills to pay. Right? Most humans want the house. They want the car. Because again, that's what we're taught when we're younger. Right? Get married. Get the house. Have kids. Get a car. And all that stuff. Right? Do the lust of the flesh. Right? What else would they uh, bait us on? Success. Right? We see these churches now. They see these churches on TV. That's what they're looking for. Right? Because it's like they, they feel like that's the goal to their success. Why? They had the big mega church to be on TV. Now I made it. And guess what? Even as Christians, that's how we could become where we seek after those titles. Right? Also, dealing with politics. Right? We're about to see election time is coming up. Right? They institute that inside the church, but we have no need to talk about that inside the church because that's not, not what the church is for. But they appeal to our flesh. All right, so let's keep going. Verse 19. While they promised them liberty, while they promised them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. What is corruption? Corruption means moral decay. Right? So, in other words, the beliefs of right and wrong begins to decay. We see that in the church today. Right? We see that. So now, we don't call sin, sin anymore. Right? So, Paul talked about it where now, guess what? Our conscience becomes seared. The things that used to bother us no longer bother us anymore. Right? These are what these false teachers do. Right? So we have to be on guard. We were warned of this. Jesus warns of it. Paul warns of it. Peter warns of it. John warns of it. And now Jews saying, hey, they're here. And guess what? Jews' letter still applies today. And that word liberty actually means freedom to do things that have nothing to do with salvation. Literally, that's what that means. And the Greek word, you can look it up, is the number by the number 1657, 1657. All right, let's go to, oh, finish that verse. They themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome. The latter end is worse for them than the beginning. So, what happens is they deceive people into, they deceive people, deceive us as believers, and, and then we go back into sin again. We go back into the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's what they're trying to get us to do. Right? So we have to be careful there. So again, now, you know, I remember being in the Navy and uh, there was somebody we were, we were out to see and then we were in the wardroom area, the pantry area is where the officers be at. And I, I, I can't remember what I said to the person. And they, they were a believer. And then they said, well, you know what? No, once saved, always saved. You know, you can't lose your salvation. Right? What? We just read two verses here. Right? <laughs> What, 18 and 20 that disputes that right now if I had been more mature at the time I could have took them to the scripture and this is why we don't have to get into arguments what we do is present the scripture That's right. we don't present our opinions think we present the scripture to that right alright verse 21 for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness 
than having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. So, in other words, these false teachers, again, they come in as Christians, they start out as Christians, but then they go the ways of the flesh. Right? And, and, and this is how we, we get hooked by them. Right? Because they start saying things, great swelling words, and they're really full of emptiness. And they have nothing to do with Jesus Christ, nothing to do with holiness, nothing to do with sound doctrine, nothing to do with worship, and nothing to do with faith. Right? Because really, those are things that we should be talking about in the church. Period. Right? But if we, if we stick to those five things, guess what? Everything else will fall in line. Because it will all come back to loving Christ, loving the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind. Amen. Right? It will also come back to even sharing the gospel with other people. Right? But what we do is we do the opposite and we teach from the flesh to say, go witness to this person and we got to be careful. Let's go back to the fishing story. Because I talked about it a couple weeks ago. We catch fish. Right? By the hour we should catch fish, but don't clean them. You know what else we do as Christians today? Have we ever gone fishing, caught the fish, unhook it, and then throw it back in the water? That's exactly what we do. We don't lead them to a church. We don't disciple them. We catch them and then throw them back. And guess what? And now they're in danger of going before somebody that doesn't know, or going back to their former state. And guess what? Their latter state is going to be worse than their former state. So guess what? We're responsible for that. So even though we may think we may lead them, their blood is still on our hands. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we're not doing the things that Jesus did. We're, 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 we're teaching from our flesh. All right? So not saying that we got to bring them here and not saying somehow we got to disciple them. We got to get them something. Now, if they refuse to go, they refuse to go. Right? But we can't just try to catch them and then say, okay, that's good. You, you say, no, no, no. No. And that's what get me when people ask me, oh, what's the vision? And then what's the mission? The mission is just to do the Bible. Plain and simple. All right, we got all these different mission statements from all these different churches. How about we just do the book? All right? And then we wonder why we get caught into this false teaching. Because we're teaching our opinions and we're teaching from our flesh. And we're not teaching the word of God. Alright, so let's go to Jude. See, Jude calls the church to fight. Jude calls the church to fight not uh, a natural battle. And see, that's what we got to be careful of that we don't go into our flesh to start fighting because we, this is a really a spiritual warfare. And if we go into our flesh, then it becomes a natural warfare. And we can't win them to Christ that way. That would more than likely push them away. Right? But if we keep a spiritual warfare, now we're going to do it out of love. And we got to be, so we have to be careful of the things that we do and how we carry ourselves. Alright? And understand, we don't have to attack the messenger that's bringing some, but what we do is we attack the message. Don't attack the messenger. Because when we attack the messenger, now we make it personal. Right? But we attack the message. Why? Because we're going to give the truth. Right? And the truth will do what? Set us free. Right? See, they would like nothing more than to keep people in bondage because guess what? You know, sin, sin loves company. Yeah. If someone's bound in sin, they want someone else bound with them. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, the truth. Right? So I remember being in the previous church. And if somebody was teaching Bible study, by the time that person got finished teaching, you know what I both say? He's bound in sin. You can hear it. He's bound in sin because he was making it seem everything was okay. Do what you want. God's going to forgive you. He didn't say it just bluntly like that, but that's basically what he was saying. Right? And guess what? Nothing was ever came behind that to correct, to correct him. Right? And I have no doubt that the pastor probably knew he was bound in sin. But he refused to say anything. But guess that? Guess what that did? That gave others who were struggling a license to sin. And we can't do that. Because he was struggling. Right? 
And if we listen, if we have our ears and, and we're in tune with sound doctrine, now we won't be deceived. Because that's how the enemy comes in to deceive us, right? And, and, and going back to what, John 10 and 10, I talked about it before, but I know you probably forgot, right? The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not the devil. That is false teachers. That is false teachers. Because they want to take the sheep away. Right? They want to steal from the true shepherd, which is Jesus Christ. And we got to be on guard about that because there's a lot of false teaching going on, especially in this country. And we wonder why. And, and see, what, and how did we get this way? Right? How did even, when we get the Jew, we're going to get there. <laughs> Probably we're going to get there. <laughs> but how did we get there and how did the church and Jew get there? Apathy. Apathy means a lack of concern. Right? And we can be guilty of that. Right? So what happens? We start listening to a message, start listening to a teaching, start listening to a, a podcast. And we're like, oh, well, we know that's not true, but I'm going to continue to listen to it. You know, I have people send me stuff all the time. and Well, not all the time, a lot of time. But they'll send me stuff, and I look at it. Immediately, I can tell that person's a false teacher because I'm already familiar with that person. And I'm like, how in the world do we even get to there? To where you're entertaining this person. It's mind-boggling to me, right? So I remember when we were living in Connecticut, there was um, a meeting, and they were teaching on end times. So I said, well, I'm going to go. So I went, and they had it at, uh, I think, a hotel. So I went, I sat down there, started listening to it, and all of a sudden, stuff just wasn't lining up with the scriptures. Guess what? I could have stayed there. I didn't. And guess what? I was in the middle. I got up and walked out. I didn't have to say, oh, you're teaching wrong, right? Because guess what? There are some, some Christians that would do that, and that's wrong because that's not doing it out of love. Yes, we, you know, we confront things, but we don't do it in the form of embarrassment. That's not love, right? So we have Christians that are out there that feel like they're doing right, but they're just doing it out of the flesh, and they're being encouraged to do it out of their flesh. Because there's a whole group like that. But that's not love. Right? And even if it's a pastor, guess what we can do? Pull the pastor out. Pastor, help me to understand this. Because I believe the scripture says this. Right? And then you have a discussion and dialogue. But guess what happens if you confront that person publicly like that? It's going to cause the people who are watching and listening to defend them. Why? Because now you're attacking them. And it's going to cause that person, that man or woman of God, to get on the defense. Right? We can't do that. All right. So, now we're in you. <laughs> 28 minutes later. <laughs> but I, I, just had, I just had to get that background. All right. <laughs> so, we'll, we'll go through the first few verses. So, you know... Think back, the enemy, we, we, we're familiar with what was going on in Acts. The enemy tried to destroy the church through persecution, right? But it actually made the church stronger. It caused the church to get more believers. Why? Because they saw the early church not cursing the enemies, but praying for them, right? When you see, even when we went through the letters in Revelation, and I gave you the history and the background on it, when you got Christians being burned at the stake, being thrown in the Colosseum, and they're just worshiping the Lord. That causes people, unbelievers, say, whoa. Wait a minute. They're staying true. Hold on. What is this that has a hold on them? Right? And then once he figured out that didn't work, now guess what? He inoculates the church with false teachings. Right? That's why Jesus talks about the wheat and the tares. Right? And, and guess what? Thank God for false teachers. Right? Because if we didn't have false teachers, then the word that Jesus and Paul spoke would be false. Because they said they were coming. Right? They warned us. Right? But we're apathetic to them. Right? We're like, nah, it's okay. They touch on some things that are right. That's okay if they say some other things that are wrong. I'll stick with it. I'll, you know, I'll pick and choose. But no matter what we hear and what we listen to, 
it gets in our spirit, it gets in our soul, and it has an influence over us. Don't think that we can be naive to sit up here and, and, and say, well, don't be naive to think, oh, well, I can listen to this, but it's not going to influence me. Oh, yeah, whatever goes in our ear, it's going to influence us one way or the other. We can't just block it out. Right? Ask me how I know, because I know. Right. So even things that I, in the past I've heard that was wrong and I may have uh, tuned in a little bit longer than I should have. Guess what? It came back in my mind when I'm trying to pray for something, when I'm trying to believe God for something. And then I'm like, ah. And then that causes my faith to waver. Why? Because they cause division. Right. V vision is seeing the die is multiple. Right. So now it wants us to see multiple ways. Multiple things. Well, this is right. No. There's only one vision. That's Jesus Christ and that's the word. Right? But the enemy, and I'm calling these false teachers enemy because we're going to see it. They're enemies of God. They're enemies of God. And they're leading people to destruction. And they themselves are going to destruction. So, because like I said, sinners love company. Nobody wants to sin by themselves for the most part. Because it doesn't matter if somebody... And by themselves looking at pornography, they would love to hear another brother or sister bound in pornography say, Oh, I'm not the only one. Misery loves company, right? And guess what? What is it? Uh, bad company corrupts good fruit, right? And we got to be on guard about that, right? All right, all right, Jew. <laughs> all right, so Jew, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So he says, uh, this is verse one. Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ. So he says, a bond servant. That means a slave. He's saying, look, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. Look, he doesn't say Jew, the half brother of Jesus Christ. He says, the bond servant of Jesus Christ. So he is humbling himself because immediately, look at if he would have said, look, Jew, the brother of Jesus Christ, that would have gave him notoriety right away. But he didn't do that. He didn't use Jesus' name for that. He says, look, I'm a servant just like you're a servant. And brother of James, James was the, the, the leader in the church in Jerusalem, also the brother of Christ, to those who are called. So we see to those who are called. He's not writing to this letter to unbelievers. He's writing it to the church, to believers. Right? To those who are called, sanctified by God, the Father, and preserved in Jesus Christ. So sanctify, that right there means set apart. Holy. So remember when I said, when I was talking about with uh, Paul, that how he was called. Guess what? We're all called. But not only are we called, but we're chosen. Right? So as believers, we're called and we're chosen. That means we're set apart. We're to be different. Right? And, and not only are we called and chosen and set, by, and set apart, but we're to be preserved. We're preserved in Jesus Christ. Right? So we have to stay in Christ, meaning we have to stay in His Word. Right? That word preserved means to keep one in the state that He is. Right? So we're, we're, we're called, we're set apart, sanctified, and we're preserved. Verse 2, this is for every believer. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Meaning, multiply, meaning increase, abound. So as believers, regardless of what's going on, mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to each and every one of us. Amen. Regardless of what's going on. Regardless of the life circumstances, guess what? Jesus is still Lord. That's right? Right? Jesus is still Lord. So we should still, we, we, we're still in mercy, we're still in peace, and we're still in love. And if we're in love, we're going to love others. Right? We're not going to lash out at them. Out of the flesh. Right? Because again, that's the lust of the flesh. And that's how the enemy wants to come at us. Wants us to get us to lust after the flesh. So the Lord is calling us to what? Hey, see, we're to love God more than ourselves. Well, how do you do that, son? Guess what? If the Lord's calling us to fast, our bodies may call us to eat. Right? So if we eat, we're loving ourselves more than the Lord. 
Because we're obeying our bodies, our flesh. Amen. Right? But if we love God with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, we're going to turn down that plate. As hard as it is on our flesh, our stomach's growling and everything. And somebody's eating donuts right there. I told you that's what used to happen to me, right? <laughs> and then what I had to do back then, I had to, I don't know if I said this, I had to move my office because they were bringing donuts. So not my office, my desk. So I moved my desk all the way to the back. So now I wouldn't be tempted to eat those donuts. Right? These are, thir- these are certain things that we have to do, certain steps that we may have to take. All right. Verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And the title of this message is Contending for the Faith. I forgot to get the title. <laughs> well, we got that. All right. So we see here, Jude started out writing something else because he says what? I was very diligent, meaning I was eager to write to you concerning our common salvation. What is our common salvation? That means Jews and Gentiles together. We have the same thing. Right? We have the same thing. We all come to Christ all come the same way. But he found it necessary to write to you, to write to them, exhorting them to contend earnestly for the faith. That word faith actually means doctrinal content. Doctrinal content. So he's, he found it necessary. In other words, I, I think one version says, felt compelled. Compelled. Right. So he starts writing a letter, then all of a sudden, Holy Spirit probably leads him to start writing something else. Because he had all intentions on writing something, the Holy Spirit, just like I had all intentions on teaching something else. Holy Spirit says, nope, you're going to go here. But he's writing something else. And the Holy Spirit said, nope. Why? Because the Lord knew what was going on in that church. The Lord knew. Right? So, found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend for the faith. Right? So that necessary, he felt an urgency. That's what that word necessary means. He felt an urgency to write to them. And that word contend actually means to fight with adversaries. So it's a spiritual warfare. Right? So that's what we're to do with the the word of God. We're we're, we're to fight. How do we fight? We got to turn away from the stuff that doesn't line up with the word of God and stop being apathetic, meaning showing a lack of concern. Or or better yet, stop compromising. Right? And y'all know I like... um, Definition. So, the opposite, this is not definition, but this is the opposite. <laughs> so, the opposite of contend is this, to agree, to accept, to abandon, to surrender, to negotiate, to agree to disagree. Right? So, now, if we're listening to something and we know it's not lining up, guess what? I'll agree to disagree or I'm not, uh, I'll just endure it for a little bit. I know they're giving... 75% of the truth and 25% of false. Well, hold on. No, no, no. Because we're going to see here in a little bit that they snuck into the church. They didn't just come up again. And how did they get there? Because the church allowed them to come in. Right? Christians as believers, we allow them to come in to our spirit. Well, they, we allow their message to come in. And now we start doing things out of our flesh. We start promoting things over Christ and when we start to hear it's okay or you know what again you give this amount of money and this seed is going to come back to you no we don't give to look to get back right and then that's the message we get caught up in hey I want my blessing so I'm going to write this check and guess who's cashing that check that preacher that preacher right now doesn't mean we can't give right so um, usually every Tuesday and Thursday I get up at 5 in the morning and listen to my old pastor he has a calling conference and uh, I think it was December he was talking about it was November or December but he was talking about them having a need right so 
I did. I, I gave money from the church to them, right? I gave $1,000 from the church because that's another thing why we're here, to help other ministries, right? And then gave 1000 from our account, right? So I wasn't looking to get anything back. But I felt compelled to do it. But God put back because we got lost some of money after that from wasn't expecting that much. Right? And guess what? I was able to put sold the thousand dollars back into the ministry. Right? But I wasn't looking to get but that's how God moves. Right? We don't look we should give out of the love and the kindness of our hearts. Because if if we're giving, looking to get then that's flesh. Yeah. Right? But that's how we've been taught. Right? I'm going to pay my tithes and offerings and the Lord's going to bless me. Brother. Look, the Lord can take care of us without even giving us a dime. Right? So, but it's easy to do it. Why? Because that's the lust of the flesh. So it's easy to teach that and now we can bait the Christians. Bait them. Right? But we're not going to be like that. Right? So there's a... Uh, <laughs> There was a, ah, oh, I forgot. I think they were, there was a ministry. My wife might remember this. We weren't there, but we heard it on a, uh, a tape or CD or something like that years ago. But they were trying to have a service at a particular uh, venue, and I guess they couldn't have it there. Or they were able to get in the building, but somebody came by and said, um, hey, y'all can't have it here. And all the people were in there, right? And then... They had been praying for the God, praying to God, praying to God. And then all of a sudden, the people just started saying, we want the word. <laughs> we want the word. Right? So guess what? That just caused them to go ahead and let them have their service. Right? So I say that to say, <laughs> if somebody gets up here and starts giving fluff, guess what? Joan, you start saying, we want the word. <laughs> we want the word. And like, we all want to join. We want the word. <laughs> we want the word. That's going to be in your head now. <laughs> right? We're not going to take that nonsense. Right? Because there's a lot of fluff out there. Right? We don't want that. We, we, we want the word. Right? We want the true, unadulterated word. And guess what? A lot of churches are not getting that. Right? They, they, it, it's about feeding the pockets, feeding the seats. And how can I build myself up? That's lust of the flesh. That's lust of the flesh. That's not, that's not the spirit. And then that's how Christians are getting baited. And then they start acting like that. So even now the musicians start looking for attention. Right? That's not of God. Right? Because we should be singing to the Lord. Right. Not to the people. Right? right? So if we're looking for attention, because guess what? Been in a couple churches. Praise and worship leader. Looking for the attention. Showing out like they're in the concert. Walking around. Look at me. Look at me. No, 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 no. That's all the wrong spirit. That's all the wrong spirit. And then that's how people get baited. See? And that goes back again. Oh, they're so anointed. This Again, we're all anointed. Amen. Pastor, prophet, evangelist. They have no more anointing than any of us in here. Amen. Okay? But that's a fallacy that they try to... Do. Why? Because, oh, I'm up here, you're down here. Right? No, no, no. Remember when the disciples were arguing about who was the greatest? Who's the greatest? Yeah. That's what... See, I... I, <laughs> I think it was last Saturday. I was, I was at work and uh, I was talking about uh, particular ministry, and then a uh, pastoral friend of mine that's at work, he says, he says, send me that link. So I sent it to him, and he starts laughing because one of the titles of one of the person was a chief apostle, right? And he said, man, is there scriptures for this? I said, they have scriptures down there, but there ain't no such thing as no chief apostle. What is that? They're, they're, again, they're elevating themselves. They're elevating themselves, right? No, 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 that's not. Again, I may be the pastor, but I'm no different. Amen. Right? Because when you elevate, now you want certain privileges. You want certain honor. No, no, no. That's not of God. That's the lust of the flesh. Yeah. Right? And that's not to say we can't honor the pastor. 
Right? The scriptures tell us that, but we don't put the pastor on the pedestal. Right? But that's what they Oh, I'm chief apostle. I'm chief apostle, and this one's the house apostle. There's no such thing. Yeah. There's no such thing as that. But then they will come up with that stuff. And guess what? That's a big movement. And Christians are following this stuff. And, and so many and not just in the United States, but all over now. Right? And, and again, it used to be we in this country would go and be missionaries in other countries. But we're the ones that are in need of ministering. We've gotten so far off, but how do we get that way? Because Jew says we're the contain, but we don't read Jew. Right? We don't read. How many of y'all been in church where they taught on Jude? Yeah. No, because it's not a book. You, you, there's a couple verses, and they'll be familiar as we go through, that people go to, but nobody does a study, a walkthrough of the book of Jude. Right? Or Second Peter. And definitely not Titus or Timothy, because that's going to hold the leader responsible. Right? But, No. We got to stay true and we have to contend for the faith. Oh my gosh, where's the time? Ah. Oh, All right, I'll, I'll close with the end of verse 3 again. So I'll read verse 3 again. Beloved, while I was very diligent. To write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Well, what was delivered to them? Probably the letters of Paul. Peter, right? Because they were warned. Peter, and that's probably why he uses references to 2 Peter chapter 2. Why? Because that was delivered to them. They should have heeded the warning. Say, hey, these false teachers are coming. Right? And then how do you know them? How do you? Because we're going to see it's their behavior, their actions speak for themselves. Right? He's saying contend. He doesn't start off on how we contend. He gets to that later on in the chapter. And we'll get to that as we go through. But we have to be on guard. We have to be on guard on what we're allowing to come into us. Right? We, we, we have to not mix the false teachings with the true sound doctrine of the Lord. That's why Paul talked about sound doctrine so much. And that's where it was the responsibility of Titus and Timothy to, for the leaders. Hey, teach them. Make sure they understand sound doctrine. Why? Because if the leaders understand sound doctrine, now they can teach it to the people. But, if the, but Paul even said it. He said, look, false teachings are going to rise up in the midst of you. That means they're already there listening to Paul. And then now, guess what? Bait you by the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. And then now we get to arguing with people about the gospel and things like that. And then we're arguing out of our flesh instead of just giving scripture. Because we don't have to argue. Right? Because our flesh will lead us to argue. That's what gets me all the time when even you have these people doing these videos going back and forth, arguing with other people. What's the purpose of that? Right? Because that's not going to win them over. Right? How about sitting down and bringing out the Word and allowing the Holy Spirit to move, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak instead of, see, when we argue, now it's not the Holy Spirit, it's us. It's us. And now we quench the Spirit when we argue out of the flesh. We quench the Spirit. And he's trying to move. He's trying to tell us, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. But our flesh is rising up. <laughs> and our flesh is taking over. And we're like, Holy Spirit, I got this. Without realizing that's what we're doing. Amen. Amen. We'll start right there. So we'll pick back up uh, next week. Amen. Thank you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father God, we just come before you in the name of Jesus, Lord God. We thank you, Father God. For allowing us to be warned in your word, O oh, Heavenly Father God. In these end times, Lord God, it's not by coincidence or accident, Lord God, that the church has become apathetic, Lord God. But I thank you, Lord, that your word is true and you have warned us, Lord God. So I'm praying that we will heed your warning, Lord, in reference to the false doctrine that is being spread in the midst 
of the church here in America, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, not to get into our flesh, Lord God. Lord God, they're trying to entice us out of our flesh, Lord God. But help us, Father God, to, to be in tune with your spirit and your word, O Heavenly Father God. And not to give in to the lust of the flesh or the lust of our eyes or the pride of life, O Heavenly Father God. But help us to stand strong and true to your word and to contend for the faith, Lord God, as the letters were delivered unto us, Lord God, just like it was delivered to the church, Lord God, that you was writing to, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, to be in tune with your word, Father God, to be studiers of your word, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Father God. So I'm praying, Lord God, that you will be with us, you will watch over us, you will protect us, Lord God. Protect our heart and our mind, O Heavenly Father God. Help us, Lord God, to love you with all our heart, all our soul, and all our mind, O Heavenly Father God. Help us not to be distracted by the cares of this world, Lord God. Paul told Timothy not to be entangled with the affairs of this world. So help us not to be entangled with the affairs of this world, O Heavenly Father God. For those are things of the flesh, Lord God. But help us, Lord God, to be to surrender to the will of the Father and be led by your Holy Spirit, Lord God. In each and every de de thing that we do, each and every decision that we make, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. So I'm praying that you'll watch over us. Protect us, Father God, from dangerous seen and unseen, Father God. Lord God, guide our steps throughout this upcoming week, Father God. And Heavenly Father God, I just pray right now, Lord God, for all these different cities out there, Father God. Lord God, that I pray that there'll be no civil unrest, oh Heavenly Father God. I'm praying even now that your angels, Father God, will go into work, oh Heavenly Father God. Your prayer warriors will go to work, oh Heavenly Father God. And that we will intercede, Father God, for these cities in this nation, Father God. That we will intercede, Father God, for the law enforcement, Father God. That we will intercede, Father God, for the families, Father God, that may have been wounded or victimized, Father God, by the hands of bad officers, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. I'm praying, Father God, against that spirit of deception. I'm praying against that spirit of an anarchy, Lord God, yes. in the name of Jesus, Lord God. But I'm praying for your peace, yes, Lord, Jesus. Lord God. May your angels surround each and every street corner, Father yes, God. God. Surround each and every person, Father God. You, in the name of Jesus, Father God, we just pray for your peace, Father God. Yes, God. We pray for your peace in this nation, Lord God. We pray for your peace in, in Ukraine, Father God. Your peace in China, Lord God. Russia, Father God. All these other nations. Africa, Father God. We pray for your peace, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God. So we just thank you and we glorify you. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Amen.